Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good morning, everyone. Um, can, can I just re-emphasize that get along to new? I think Joe Bogle sitting there in the front row, and our boys over the over that time they've been in all the youth environments through church, but something over that that little bit of time and just extra space that we did lose them most of the time. We didn't know whose whose tent or where they were in, but it, it was just great. It was just really, really good and a really good time for family and connection. So please do get signed up for that and get involved in it um, if, you, if you can. So we have been going through the, the Cultivate series. Yeah, so wave at me if you knew, yes, that is what we've been talking about. You, you've been about, you've been here, okay? Um, and it's been great. And this idea of how do we help to nurture or to help grow um, or to, to feed, to make things, signs of life um, happen. And um, Dave and, and Phil have been really kind because they have waded through the, the stony path. They have walked um, through the, 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 the stony ground. They've walked through the thorns and the briars. Um, and today they're being really, really nice and they're allowing me to land on the, on the good soil. Um, and last week, if you were with us, Brona, one of the elders over in Portadown, Emmanuel, um, just gave a, a, really, a really gentle but powerful word because she was addressing the phrase of the, the, the deceitfulness of riches and the riches of this world. And she landed on this line that actually all through this week has just stuck in my head. She just said, I want Jesus more. I want Jesus more. Everything that this world has to offer, everything that this world has to give, everything that riches say it can give to me, she just said, I want um, Jesus more. And I just, I just think that that is beautiful. And it's, it's our prayer, it's a prayer for my own life that actually as we go through this series, that, that that's, that's where we land with this. Because that's good soil. Good soil is that phrase and living from that phrase of actually, I want Jesus more. Everything else and everything else that's going on in my life and all that's involved, I want um, Jesus more. So Mark 4 is the passage that we've been going through um, and looking at the parable of, of the soils, okay? And uh, let, let's just read verse 8, okay, as where it's talking about um, the good soil. Let's read these couple of verses, and then we'll jump down to verse 20. And it says this, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and it produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, some 60, some a hundred times, okay? And later on then, Jesus is describing this parable and is explaining it to his disciples. Uh, and in verse 20, says, others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, they accept it and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some a hundred times what was sown. And over these next couple of weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the good soil um, but there's almost two parts of it. We're going to be looking at this good soil of my soul, okay? So the soil of my soul. So this week, we're going to be looking inward. We're going to be looking a little bit 
individually of going, what is going on inside of me? And over next week, we're going to then be going, what is going on amongst us as a family, as a community, as a church? Are we good soil where the good things of God's kingdom can grow? And so we're going to do it in these two parts, inward my life. So get your head into that gear this morning. We're starting to look at the inside of us. Don't do that. I'll look at the person beside me and think, look, look where they are. We're going inward, okay? So this is about us and going, because uh, you could look to them and think, oh, they're doing really well. And then that, that, that sort of puts you off track. I'll never be like them. Or you could look over to them and you go, and they're doing really bad and I'm doing really well. I don't need to do anything. Actually, let's just pause and go, what's going on inside of me this morning? What's going on in my patch? And, and that's the question that I want to ask you. What's going on in this little part of the universe that you are fully in charge of? What is going on in the little part of the universe that you are fully in charge of, which is in here? What's going on inside of your patch this morning? Whenever you look at it, are you excited about what God's doing and how he's moving in your life? Or are you looking into it and going, actually, that feels a little bit barren. There's not much signs of life or growth that are happening. It looks a little bit stony. Oh, is that a, a little thorn that is pro- popping up out of this patch of ground that I am responsible for? Whenever you're looking inward, what do you, you see? And I would love us, even... Um, as, as you're listening, just to be going, Holy Spirit, what's going on inside of me? In all of the busyness of the world and everything that's calling for our attention, God, what is going on inside of me? What's going on in our soul? How is your patch? And this passage talks about multiplication, talks about the 30 to 60 to 100 of, of actually whenever the seed comes into the ground, it produces fruit. And I wonder if your life is a place of multiplication for the kingdom of God. Is your life a place of multiplication for the kingdom of God? That if God entrusts you with something, if God says something to do to you, that actually you will respond in a way that it produces fruit, that it will bring increase, and that it will impact other people around you. Is your life a place of multiplication for the kingdom of God? So, We've been looking inside, okay? That's where we are. The last few moments, we've been looking inside. Not anybody else, not the left, not the right, inside. What are you seeing? Even now, what is the Holy Spirit highlighting within your life? What, what, what is going on? And maybe you're looking and you're going, actually, it needs a little work. What's going on inside of me, in the depths of me, needs a little work. And then there's a really important question. What can you do about it? Okay? So it's okay, go in, okay, this needs a wee, but what can you do about it? Where do you hear these words of Jesus? I love the words of Jesus. I love how powerful they are. I love that they speak into the core of who we are. He says this, you can do nothing. Whenever you're looking into your life this morning and you're, you're going, I don't really know if I like what I'm seeing in there. But Jesus says, you can do nothing. And those words don't feel very encouraging. <laughs> They're not the words of Jesus that make you go, oh, that's really great. I like that one. You 
can do nothing. Let, let's zoom out just a little bit and, and see a little bit more of the verse. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And this morning, as we start on a bit of a journey of going, what's on the inside of us? What's happening inside of us? The worst thing in the world would be that you start on, out on a track to go, right, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to improve it, and I'm going to try really hard. Because Jesus says, apart from him, you can do nothing. John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's really important that we recognize how much we need Jesus. How much we need Jesus. If we're looking at our lives and going, I would love to see some things change here. I would love to see some more fruit being produced in my life. I would love my life to be a place of multiplication for the kingdom of God. It's really important that we recognize how much we need Jesus. And it's actually all about him. And our part in this, our job in this, our role in this is relatively simple. He says, stick close to me. Stick close to me. Are we sticking um, close to Jesus? So the, the first little thing is we're thinking about what can we, what can we do? Jesus is saying, you can do very little on your own. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But our responsibility is that we intentionally abide in him, that we're sticking close to Jesus. You see, all of us are being shaped and formed, Okay. There are voices and images all around us every day that are molding us to think and act and react in a certain way. We're all being shaped and formed. There are experiences, there's the media, there's world events, and they're just impacting us relentlessly and bombarding us. And we are being formed. How we are thinking and how we are acting, like it or like it not, we are being formed. And a really important question is, is what is forming you and who is forming you? Um, a patch of ground, if it's left, something will finally grow in it. I don't know if you do any gardening. I try, but I'm not very good, okay? But you get a patch of ground and you, you get it dug out and you get it weeded out and you have it and it's, it's, looking, it's looking pretty good. But then you leave it for a little while because actually there was other things that took your attention and you had to focus on something else and you come back, something's grew in its place again. You are being formed and stuff will grow in your life. How intentional are you being about what's growing there? My uh, granda is a much better gardener and does a bit of farming as well. And the diligence that he gives to check what's growing in the patch to make sure that the right thing is growing in the patch and how relentless and ruthless he is to root out anything that shouldn't be there. What's going on in your patch? And how intentional are you being about what is growing there? Because in my experience, good things don't grow by chance. You plant them, you nurture them, you cultivate them, 
what are the good things that we are intentionally cultivating and giving space to in our lives? And if we want our lives to be good soul soil, if we want this to be a place where the Word of God and the seed of God lands and it has an impact and it grows and it has fruit, then Jesus needs to be the clearest voice and the loudest voice that you're hearing. All these voices, everything that is shaping and molding you, Jesus needs to be the clearest and the loudest voice that you are hearing. You know, all of the things that I think or worry or plan for, okay, you think up ahead. Some of us in the room love doing a little bit of forward planning, okay? And all the things you think and you plan for. My soul doesn't get much time on that. Like this, this part of me, you know, this part of me that lives forever. So I, I know you hear these things whenever you come to church, the part of you that lives forever, your soul and eternity, and we talk like this. But actually think about that this morning. There is a part of you that is going to live forever. There is a part of you that is going to live forever. Forever. That's a crazy thought. And the amount of time and thought that I put into this part of me that lives forever is actually really minimal. The amount of time and planning that I put into getting on a good holiday is intense. But then there's this part of me that lives forever that I'm sort of a bit, mm, let's see how it goes. How intentional are we being in cultivating our soul and caring for our soul? And I just feel that sometimes when we start our journey with Jesus, the soul is what we hear about, and that's really important. So we hear about this part of us that lives forever and make sure that that place, that, that part of you is going to spend forever in the right place. So at the start of our journey, it is about our soul being saved from hell into heaven, and that is so important. We need a reminder of the, the eternal part of us and the forever part of us, and that actually we want that part of us to be spending forever in the right place. And if you, even this morning while we're talking, you're going, hmm, I don't know if my soul is right with God, then please come and ask us some questions. The kindness of God allows us to, to be right with Him and to spend eternity with Him. So please come and ask us some questions. But once we get over that line, I've got my soul sorted, and it's, in, it's moved from hell to heaven. I've got it sorted. We don't think that much more about our soul. The cultivating of the good things that God wants to grow in us, the things that God wants to do in us. And Jesus says, stick close to me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, so you know, even from a few weeks ago, whenever Ruth and I were, were chatting and being interviewed with three small kids, okay? It's relatively young, okay? I'll not go into the ages because we have a problem with the ages where I usually get them wrong or Ruth gets them wrong, okay? So we've, we've, three, we've three young kids, and that means that, that time alone together is scarce. 
And you have to be intentional with it. You have to plan for it. You have to put in the effort, okay? And sometimes, I will admit, sometimes we get it right. Sometimes our schedules, we get it really wrong, okay? But the desire and the longing and the heart is actually we want to spend time together. We really, we, we, I'm really thankful that we enjoy doing that. We enjoy spending time together. But if I was starting to get the vibe off Ruth that actually the effort involved in the planning of this was not worth it, the needing to arrange our calendars and, and figure out when, when can we have that time together that actually, why, why would I be bothered? There's something fundamentally wrong there. Like it might be hard and it might be difficult and it might be challenging and it might take it a bit of effort, but actually there's a desire there to make it happen. And I wonder so, sometimes, if is that, is that the impression through our actions that we give to Jesus? Actually, that seems like an awful lot of effort to spend some time with, alone with you. That takes an awful lot of rearranging of my life. And I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's worth it. And sometimes, like, if, if, if that was the impression I was getting through resection, the pain that that would cause into my heart. That this person that I love so much actually doesn't want to spend time with me. And I wonder if that's the impression through our actions that we give um, to Jesus. How worth it is he to rearrange your schedule? How worth it is it? It's hard, it's difficult, there's distractions, there's lots of things wanting your time. I'm not minimizing all of that. We live in the real world. It's very fast-paced. But how much desire do we have to rearrange things so that we get time alone with Jesus? You know, and coming on my first, my first preach of my new role, and I'm not sounding like I'm going to give you any rocket science, how do you spend time with Jesus? You read and you pray. Praying is talking to Jesus. Reading is his primary way of talking to us. Are you reading and are you praying? It's really basic. It's really simple. But we can't jump onto all of these other more dramatic, flamboyant things if we haven't got the basics of, are you spending time with Jesus? Intentionally spending time with him. And I think the enemy sometimes wants us to believe that it's unobtainable. It's too difficult. You'll not sustain that. It's too hard. And whenever you do it, it won't really be worth it. You'll be left feeling frustrated. God won't really speak to you. The challenge I have is that I don't think that's true. I think time with Jesus is precious and beautiful. I think it changes our lives. I think it's life-given. I think that we become better people whenever we spend time with Him. And yes, it will be difficult, and yes, there will be distractions, but actually it's worth it. The time with Jesus is worth it. So, okay. 
We want to be intentional, okay, intentional in our abiding. And as we do that, okay, as we intentionally abide in Jesus, what is going to happen is that our identity is going to be realigned, okay? Our identity is going to be aligned. God is going to start to reveal to us, not just in our head, because in church we're really good at holding lots of things in our head, but it actually has to move into a lived experience of who we are. Sometimes we can define ourselves in life lots of ways, okay, of the roles that we do or the relationships that we have with people. The most important relationship that you are defined by is who God says you are. Who God says you are. And if we do a a really quick recap of all of creation, okay, God created the world and he loved it. He loved it immensely and, and passionately. This was his creation, Sin entered the world, and we joined in with it, which separated us from God. So he loved us, but his love was separated. And then we have Jesus, and he dies on the cross, the death, the resurrection, which opens up a way that we can get that separation changed. We can get right and get back with God. And for the majority of us in the room, that that is where we are. We've came, we've said, God, I am so sorry. I've repented of my sin. I've given my life over to you. I want to follow you. I want to give you everything that I am. So, So now in that place, who am I to God? Who am I to God in that moment? And I love the phrase, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I love it. It is beautiful and it's powerful of that's what God has done in our lives. But wait till you hear this in 1 John 3, 1. And we've already sang it this morning. He says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I love the wee bit at the end because it feels like we need to hear it again. That we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. You want good soul soil? Then this is going to need to sink in. Your identity in God is going to need to sink in, that you are His, that you are loved by the Father, that you are His daughter, that you are His son, that actually He has great plans over your life, that He loves you immensely. Our identity needs to be forged and formed in who He says we are. Because what that does away with is It does away with trying to prove that I'm lovable. It does away with all of the striving and the comparison and the competition, trying to earn his love because I'm in a place right here, right now, because of what Jesus has done, that I am his daughter, that I am his son, that I am loved beyond measure. I wonder if there's an invitation from the Father this morning, just as Jesus has said, stick close to me, because apart from me, you can do nothing. That the Father is saying, come, stick close to me, because I want to lavish my love upon you so that you know that you know that you know that you're loved, so that you know that you know that you know that you're mine, that you are son or daughter. And all of the things that try to steal that from you and rob it or give you a false sense of identity. He says, I want to pour my love on you in such a way that you get this, not just up here, but up in here and in lived experience. 
Are you aware of the love that the Father has for you? And maybe this morning the invitation is, stick close to me that I can lavish my love upon you. That you can get your identity right again. And as we do this, okay, so as we do this, we're sticking close to Jesus, okay? We're being intentional. We are placing ourselves under the love of the Father, and he, He's realigning our identity. He then invites us, they invite us into the mission. They invite us into the rescue of the world, the redemption of the universe. Individual people's lives changed and transformed by the good seed. They invite us in for communities to be changed, for injustice to be crushed. They invite us in and they say, come and be part of this. Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and do the Jesus stuff, but the Jesus way. And the Jesus way is surrender and sacrifice. The, the Jesus way is actually taking up your cross and following after him, denying yourself. He says, come and do the Jesus stuff and come and do it the Jesus way. And we get invited into this. And we've said we need to stick close to the, the Son. We need to stick close to the Father. We need to stick close to the Holy Spirit. If we are moving into the mission of God, if we want to press into the front line of seeing God's kingdom come, we need the Holy Spirit. And you know, as we go on that journey, as we do the Jesus stuff, which most of us are up for, we like the Jesus stuff, but we have to do it the Jesus way, which is the surrender and the sacrifice, that actually as we go on this journey, because it says that the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. So as the Holy Spirit takes us into this journey, my kingdom is going to collide against the kingdom of God. My desires and longings are going to collide against the desires of the kingdom. My lesser kingdom is going to hit up against his great kingdom. And it's going to cause things to arise. There's going to be things that come to the surface. Issues are going to arise in our lives. Actually, the Holy Spirit is going to bring them to the surface because he wants us to have really good soil. He wants the kingdom to be growing and multiplied through us. And he's going to be bringing some of those stones that need to be moved. He's going to be bringing some of those thorns that need to be pulled out. The issues will arise. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into that. And can we just own the fact that actually that's going to be painful? That's going to be painful. We want to do the Jesus stuff, but we have to do it the Jesus way. Dealing with this is going to be painful as he upturns all of the stuff that's happening in our lives. Rocks and thorns that actually we've been so used to that we didn't even know that they existed. They, we thought they were just part of us. I thought that was just part of me. I thought that was just the way I am. And yet the Holy Spirit leading and prompting and upturning and moving the Holy Spirit who we can trust, who's our comforter, who's our guide, who leads us into all truth, who strengthens and empowers us. He says, stick close to me. Don't try and do this on your own. Stick close to me as he changes and he transforms our lives. And I would say two prayers that we need in that process. Search me. 
When is the last time that we said, Holy Spirit, search me? Search my heart. Show me the things that I don't even realize are going on inside of me. Holy Spirit, search me and I surrender. And I would say that two of the biggies that we're going to collide against, there's lots of things that's going to come up in the surface in our lives. <laughs> lots. Stuff that we just didn't know were there. Attitudes that we didn't know that we held. Reactions that we give in a moment that we go, where did that come from? What are you going to do in those moments? Do you bury that or do you say, Holy Spirit, you've highlighted this part of me. What do you want to do in this? What do you want to do in this? But two of the big ones I would say is our desire for comfort and our desire for success. We live in a society that gets us to look through the lens of comfort and success, our individual comfort and our individual success. And if you want the seed to be able to take good ground, it's going to have to break through our entitlement to comfort and our entitlement to our version of success. And we're going to have to be willing to set it down. A couple of things that I just want to, to read with you before we, before we finish. This is... Um, this is a great quote from John Piper. It says, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do, when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it's a piece of land, it's a yoke of oxen, and a wife. The great adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. Oh God, search me and let me see what's going on beneath the surface. Last week, um, at the end of the first service, um, Joanne Briggs had a prophetic image that I feel is really important for us to, to share um, this morning. And it says, uh, um, so the, the image of a hand pulling at a thorny weed, having to pull hard and for a long time. It was tough and the hand was covered with blood. Pulling at the thorny weed had, had cut the hand and there was blood all over it. The natural reaction when you see the blood is to stop. Others will tell you to stop. But you have to keep going. Persistent effort and hard work over time will finally uproot the weed. The weed is uprooted. And when it is, suddenly the waters of life come rushing through the soil, bringing life. The weed and roots of the weed had actually been stopping and blocking the waters. Hadn't seen the waters being held back, but when the weed was uprooted, they came flooding in. Relief, release, 
life, fullness, thriving, as it was always intended, as it was always promised, the weed needs uprooted. I'm going to invite Holly to, to come up just to give us a little moment of, of response in this. And as we intentionally abide in Jesus, look at these words on the screen. As we intentionally abide in Jesus, aligning our identity under the love of the Father, and as the Holy Spirit causes issues to arise, are we going to be ruthless in uprooting these thorns from the soil of our soul so that it can multiply and produce fruit? I would love us just to take a moment to, just while you're, where you're sitting, um, recognize first talk, it's a wee bit of a, a heavy one, but it's really good. What's happening inside of us? What's happening inside of me? And um, let's take a take a moment, um, and then we'll just we, we'll finish with with a song and an opportunity for us just to respond. If you're comfortable, close close your eyes. So when. Jesus is resurrected. He's died on the cross and he's resurrected. Mary finds him and she thinks that he's the gardener. She thinks that he's the gardener. And yet there's this beautiful revelation of who Jesus actually is. That this morning he comes to you as the gardener who wants to cultivate the soil of your soul. And maybe there's an invitation this morning from Jesus. He says, stick close to me. And where you realize as you look where Jesus is, is that actually he's on the his hands and knees in the dirt of your life. He's on his hands and his knees in the reality of your life. And he's saying, come join me. Stick close to me. And there's an invitation of the Father with arms wide open that wants to lavish his love upon you so that you know that you are his. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm here. Your comforter, your guide, I will strengthen you. So I wonder if Jesus is waiting for you to join him on your knees in the soil of your soul. And he's got a beautiful imagination of what your life is going to be like. He's a beautiful plan 
of what's going to happen to all of these seeds that he's planted within you. And he gently says, I know what I'm doing. Will you trust me? I know what I'm doing. Will you trust me? Let me cultivate the soil of your soul. Here's what we'll do. It may be enough for you to be sitting here quietly and hearing the Holy Spirit speak and you respond. You may want to where you are as a symbol of saying, Jesus, I'm partnering with you. You want, may want to kneel. You may want to kneel if you can with the, just saying, Jesus, I'm kneeling beside you in the, in the dirt and the reality of my life. And I'm going to join you in what you're doing. I'm saying yes to it. So you may even need to shuffle your, your bum around a wee bit to, to move. And you may bump into someone on the way down of kneeling at the chair. We're all friends here. Or you may be going, actually, I would just love someone to, to pray with me. We'd love someone to pray with me. We, we are unashamedly going to be creating more spaces to pray with people. Because <laughs> there's stuff going on in our lives. And I can do with as much prayer as I can get. So there'll be space up here at the front as we as we finish. And I'll, I'll close this off in a couple of moments. But so please make the most of the moment. And listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. If you need to respond in some shape or form of saying yes, then please do it. There is space at the front. There are people that will jump in. You will not be standing here on your own for long. Someone will come and stand beside you and pray for you. You can slip over to the, the edges if you prefer that. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.